Thank you, Nina. I'm so sorry my father wasn't here. Uh, not long ago, he said, Terry, I'm so glad you have a hobby. <laughs> Thank you, Nina, for your faith. It has kept me upright. Thank you for your love and your embodied wisdom. In these 25 years, your evolution has become our own. The gravity of your voice, the vitality of the struggle has shown us here today repeatedly not only what is possible, but what is necessary. We do it alone. We do not do it alone. You and Kenny have held this creative tension together, and we honor you. Your staff, your board, your vision, your work, our joy. It is such a gift and privilege to share this time with all of you. It is also a personal terror. And if I have a ring of pink, it is Pepto-Bismol to keep me calm. <laughs> and I would ask you to please hold this collective space with me this morning so that my words might simply be an offering among many in the name of this beautiful, broken world. Finding beauty in a broken world is creating beauty in the world we find. I'm so aware of the power in this room, of the service each one of you are rendering on behalf of Earth and your community, your home ground, in the name of social change and ecological justice. Thank you. Thank you for being alive, not just here, but present. Awake, alert, and engaged. The human heart is the first home of democracy. It is where we embrace our questions. Can we be equitable? Can we be generous? Can we listen with our whole beings, not just our minds and offer our attention rather than our opinions? And do we have enough resolve in our hearts to act courageously, relentlessly, without giving up ever? trusting our fellow citizens to join with us in our determined pursuit of a living democracy. The heart is the house of empathy, whose door opens when we receive the pain of others. This is where bravery lives, where we find the metal to give and receive, to love and be loved, to stand in the center of uncertainty, knowing this is all there is. The heart is the path of wisdom because it dares to be vulnerable in the presence of power. Our power lies in our love of our homelands. My home ground is in the American West, the Red Rock Canyons of Southern Utah, the granite citadels of the Grand Tetons, the salt flats of the Great Basin, where Great Salt Lake is water in the desert that no one can drink. She is the mother calling down the migratory birds to rest. American avocet, black neck stilt, ruddy duck, pintail, great blue heron. I made a vow as a child that as long as long-billed blue curlews would grace the briny shores of Great Salt Lake, our world was safe, sane, a place of regeneration and return. It still is. 
they are still there. I want to tell you a story. In July 2010, I made a pilgrimage to the Gulf of Mexico. I needed to see for myself what had happened to our birds, our migrating birds, um, as they flew to the Gulf of Mexico. The BP oil spill. I met a barefoot pilot from Alabama named Tom Hutchings, who offered to fly me over the Macondo well, deep water horizon, ground zero. It was the hundredth day since the spill. And in the New York Times, the right-hand corner above the fold, it said, 80% of the oil is gone, not to worry. As Tom Hutchins flew me across that water, 800 feet above, all we could see was oil. For as far as we could see, as wide as we could see, as long as we could bear it. It was all lies. I said to Tom, how do you handle this grief? What do you do with this heartbreak? And he said two things. One, he told me that when the fires broke out on the sea, when that oil was raging on the surface of the ocean, from the vantage point of his plane in a tipped wing, he saw a pod of dolphins side by side by side by side on the edge of the flames, watching, waiting, wondering. Two, he said, my daughter Brinkley. He told me about his daughter Brinkley who was a student working for Greenpeace. He said, I want to do this for her because she's better than I am. She's tougher than I am. She's radical. I met Brinkley last night, and she said to me, I'm the one with the butterflies on my dress. Of course she is. And we danced. We danced last night with all of you into a place of familiarity. And without words, we danced our home ground. She danced heron. She danced dolphin. She danced jellyfish. And in response, I danced prairie dog, I danced coyote, I danced eagle. And all of a sudden, Neil joined us and he danced elephant and a tree, we couldn't guess which one, cottonwood. And then we pulled in a gentleman named Roberto and he began dancing and he said, what do you do? And I said, we're here for wildness and he goes, dance on. And that's what we do, I think, in this love that is wild. It is what is needed, it is what we are hungry for, it is the source of our greatest longing. Wilderness, wildness. In wildness is the preservation of the world, Thoreau tells us. Wildness, wilderness, it's not something or some place outside of us, though it exists and deserves to be protected. Wildness is within us, and it is our source of our greatest inspiration, our energy, our power. It is the birthplace of our DNA. Not long ago, I was up in the Arctic with my husband. I wanted to see a snowy owl. I had been dreaming about snowy owl, that white owl with golden eyes. And after about 10 days, it snowed, it was cold, and I thought, the ground is white, maybe snowy owl will appear. I got up before the sun. 
I walked out onto the tundra. The sun rose. Its, its light just burned through me. And I placed my head, hands on my head. I don't know why. And all of a sudden, I saw the shadow in the snow. It was Snowy Owl. We have just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Wilderness Act of 1964, an act of restraint, an act of generosity that says we humans are not the center of all concerns. We are not the center of the universe. We are one species among many. It's the act of restraint we see in the Endangered Species Act, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act. We honor, acknowledge, and respect the rights of the human community a community that includes all life forms, plants, animals, rocks, rivers, and human beings. This is the open space of democracy. Right now, the most powerful being in the American West, I believe, is the sage grouse. It is the only living presence that has the power and the presence to stop the oil and gas companies. The sage grouse, who dances in the leks in the sagebrush step. And now, as we are here together, Anna's hummingbirds are pollinating the blossoms of the purple sage. Egrets are standing their ground in what little is left right here, right now, in their wetlands. And turkey vultures are circling the embassy suites. <laughs> it is not enough to love the world. You must dive in. We are here because of love. Everything conspires to love, a love that is wild, wild mind, wild heart, vulnerable, fierce improvisation. Half Earth is the goal, says E.O. Wilson. People haven't been thinking big enough. I see a chain of uninterrupted corridors forming with twists and turns, some of them opening up to become wide enough to accommodate national biodiversity parks, a new kind of parks that will not allow species to die. Michael Soule, the father of conservation history, has written an emotional call to arms. And I ask you, what is wrong with emotion? He says, quote, perhaps the hardest thing to grasp is the geological and historical uniqueness of the next few decades. There simply is no precedent for what is happening to the biological fabric of this planet. And there are no words to express the horror of those of us who love nature. But loss of habitat and loss of species is not the whole story, he says. Perhaps even more shocking than the unprecedented wave of extinction is the cessation of significant evolution of new species among us, plants, animals. Death is one thing, but an end to birth is something else. And nature reserves are too small to gestate new species. Half the earth. What if wildness is the highest form of imagination? Imagination leads us to creative acts. I want to tell you a story about a German composer named Max Richter. His favorite piece of music was Vivaldi's Four Seasons. As a musician, he played it hundreds of times and performed it even more. But something happened. 
This piece of music has become so commercialized, so trivialized, played in elevators and the backdrop for cheap, cheap commercials, that he no longer could hear its beauty. It had become lost to him, demoted to musical wallpaper. Max Richter did the unthinkable, the blasphemous. He recomposed Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Let us hear Max Richter's reimagined Four Seasons now.
Can we recompose ourselves? Can we reimagine ourselves in place in a different way of being in the world? Still holding on to the essentials of what we love and what we will fight for, land health, wildness, a livable future. We know that our institutions are no longer serving us. We have the opportunity to reimagine ourselves in the 21st century. Our governments, our schools, our religious institutions, even ourselves, especially ourselves, to imagine, reimagine, recompose ourselves in place, deeply rooted, deeply engaged, brave home. It is time for us to return home and continue the hard work of resistance and insistence made possible by our wild hearts and this love that is wild. We have never been here before. It is all improvisation, but our wild hearts will lead us. We can dance, we can do this, we do it alone, we do not do it alone. Each of us must decide on our own home ground, with our own wild hearts, with the gifts that are ours, what our next step is. For me, what I can tell you, it is time for me to lay my body down in Utah, in the book cliffs, where America's first tar sands development is occurring. We in Utah, rural Utah, stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Ecuador, in Alberta, around the world. And today, when Rachel asked us to walk together, I closed my eyes and I saw what we can do together. I talked to Clayton, we have an unexpected shared history, and he is coming. You are all invited. And may you call us all forward to the places of your home in your hearts, in our wild hearts. Our cause is the cause of life. And it is coming to be understood in new and unexpected ways. I became a mother at 50. We have an adopted son from Rwanda. And consequently, conversely, we've been adopted by their family. Faustin is in college. He just sent me this text. I love that we are connected in this way. Dearest Mom Terry, before the short experience that I am going to share with you, I had not yet understood the importance of the environment for you. Being honest, one day I asked myself, why, why, why does all she do is talk about the environment most of the time? <laughs> then one Friday, I got an answer. There is a tree where I used to sit, and I would revise myself and play my guitar. I used to love it so much. Then, as I was there on Friday, the following day, I went there, and the tree was nowhere to be seen. I was almost crying. I forgot that I could cry since the war. Since then, I have come to understand the importance of protecting the environment. Wilderness is not an abstraction or an idea or our recreation. It is our sanity. It is our survival. 
Wilderness in the 21st century is not a site of nostalgia for what once was, but rather the seedbed of creativity for what we have yet to imagine. It is our evolution. Let us be clear, let us be bold, let us be unapologetic, passionate, and fierce. Let us lay our bodies down together in the name of love, our wild hearts telling us this every single day. Are we listening? Are we feeling the depth of our animal nature? This is our alchemical moment. We are broken. The world is broken. And it is beautiful. May we bear witness to the beauty that remains and reimagine ourselves on the planet. In the name of wild mercy, we can do this. Here in this room, we can do this. It is time for us to go home and do this. The eyes of the future are looking back at us, and they are praying that we might see beyond our own time. They are kneeling with hands clasped that we might act with restraint, that we might leave room for the life that is destined to come. To protect what is wild is to protect what is gentle. Perhaps the wildness we fear is the pause between our own heartbeats, the silent space that says we live only by grace. Wildness, wilderness, lives by this same grace. Wild mercy is in our hands. Let this be our prayer, reimagined. Thank you.